On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we're jumping back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this time with a TV show, one that pays homage to other TV shows. That's right, we're getting weird with the first three episodes of WandaVision. Get your popcorn ready. Wanda, darling. Yes, dear. Get the light. Now that's romantic. <laughs> this is our home. Hello, Westview! Life moves pretty fast in the suburbs. Something strange happened. Wanda. Wanda. And they lived happily ever after. Series premiere January 15th on Disney+. Plus. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, speaking of machines, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah? Enjoying WandaVision. WandaVision. Um, me too, man. I am, uh, you know, we never did a conversation about Mandalorian, which has basically been the only type of new blockbuster thing besides Tenet and Wonder Woman that we got last year, you know, in terms of like existing IP and whatnot. And so what's, what's fun about this is that it's WandaVision, baby. We're back in the MCU. You know, you and I have have journeyed through the MCU through as long as we've been doing this podcast. We did a franchise refill for every one of them leading up to, I think, leading up to, I think, Captain Marvel and Infinity War, if, if my mind serves me correctly, which doesn't always. Um, and now we're back. And we're back and things are a little weird. You know, we're three episodes into a rumored nine episodes. And... They're 30-minute episodes, so we're we're basically a movie's worth in. We're 90 minutes in. And there seems to be a blending, a trending blending, if you will, between movies and quote-unquote TV content or quote-unquote streaming content or content in general, which I hate talking about these movies and these TV shows as content. I wish we could come up with a new word. Um, but like we're not going to be called art art. No, cause I'm not that pretentious. Like <laughs> this is money. This is a business, right? Uh, I don't know. Like part of me wants to just call them stories, you know, cause that's really what this is, is we're still telling stories, but we're changing the medium about it. And before we get into talking about WandaVision, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that, which is we started this podcast because of our love of movies and our continuing conversation of movies and we all felt just narcissistic enough just a, just a little bit enough to say hey why not put this out onto the internet and let people listen to it and now we just spent a year where we were deprived of most movies and we are seeing these worlds blend together. And so I kind of wanted to, number one, I wanted to get an idea of like how you felt about that. You know, how, how do you feel about these higher quality, quote unquote, TV shows that are coming out 
a movie quality, you know? Do you, do you, I, I'm almost certain you don't have the same type of existential crisis as I do when it comes to like the existence of movies and that IP. That would be correct. But, but what's your thoughts on it? I think the thing that I've enjoyed about The Mandalorian, about WandaVision, and I never really got into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know you watched right. uh, a good amount of that. I got into kind of the Arrowverse mm-hmm. CW shows mm-hmm. for a while. I haven't kept up with them. We had the Netflix Marvel shows we as well. We had the Netflix Marvel shows. And I appreciated the fact that the universe expanded in a sense. Sure. And we learned new stories. And a lot of times, you know, TV shows open the doors for us to learn the lesser known stories or yeah. even original stories in the case of something like The Mandalorian. So I enjoy the fact that we get to expand our knowledge of the universe. In the case of Marvel, we get to... There's so much IP out there with comics. I mean, you got years and years of comic books out the there. history and of And stories. It. And you and I joke about all the different villains that are out there. Like literally thousands of characters that we've never even heard of. And I've enjoyed the approach that Disney and Marvel have taken to honoring that and almost kind of throwing a bone or rewarding the nerds out there Mm -hmm. while also adapting it to something that really works for long-form storytelling, both in TV and movies. And thus far, it seems like the approach to it, and again, this is, I would argue, the first, like, dedicated one. I don't know that like Kevin Feige had his hands all over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. That was actually a whole separate division at the time. Exactly. So this is, I believe, the first thing that we're getting that's not a movie dedicated to furthering this Marvel universe that we've had so far only in movies. Yeah. So it's early. It's easy to compare it to something like Mandalorian that expanded Mm -hmm. the Star Wars universe. Uh, but on the Star Wars side, we also had things like Clone Wars, right? And there was already Rebels. There was already like interconnective storytelling already happening there, and there it, was always a, a there was already an effort to keeping within canon and doing things that tied in with before and after sure. the story that we were getting. So I appreciate that we learned more about these characters. We get more history. We get to learn about. Characters that obviously played a very big impact into some of the things we saw on the big screen, mm-hmm. but never really got the full story to their background. Like, I like learning more about what happened to Wanda and Vision if we're not going to have that explained on the big screen. Because there's right. only so many stories you can tell in a two and a half, three hour movie. Right. So, unless you're just going to keep everything so tight chronologically, like there's going to be untold timeline events. Yeah. You know, there's years that pass in between movies. And so I like the idea of supplementing that with TV. Do I want to see everything just go like game of Thrones style where, right. You know, there's never a game of Thrones movie, right? It's just continued, you know, seasons that expand that. Yeah. that story, I think I still will enjoy like the big events and know that we're building up to something bigger. And I think done in the right way, which I have confidence just because they've earned my confidence that Marvel will do that. Mm-hmm. But 
it's still yet to be seen because again, this is really Marvel's first Foray entering official. into the TV long story right storytelling. And, and when we say and when you say Marvel's first foray like that, we're talking specifically under Kevin Feige's control, who is the producer and the overlord of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we're talking specifically about those characters and the canon that's involved. Because well, and if it was two years ago, I would have said the Infinity War canon. But obviously, right. we've moved beyond that. But right. we're still in that timeline. Mm-hmm. And I won't get into whether you want to argue there's multiple timelines and all that good stuff. <laughs> but Well, I think we're going to... Which there obviously is. Yeah. But in that canon that they've established over the last... 15 years or so. That was the Infinity Saga that is tied in, that is all locked in. And for the longest time, Marvel television was was run by, I think it was run by Ike Perlmutter, who, ask anybody out there who really knows it, and Ike is like a grade-A douchebag, like just kind of a terrible human being, but also really didn't want anything to do with Kevin Feige's side of the MCU. So you had shows like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which obviously grew out of Agent Coulson being his own thing, but they really only loosely tried to connect into things, you know? And they still went for 22 episodes, particularly Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on network network television. And that's what television is sometimes still, but it's also what television used to be, which is like these 22 to 24 episode seasons. One of our favorite TV shows of all time is called 24, and there was 24 episodes in a show. And even you can admit like with the the Arrowverse on CW, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot to watch. And we started seeing these more prestige shows come out of pre-existing IP. So like even Sopranos and The Wire, which are considered a couple of the greatest shows of all time, those were long seasons. Mm -hmm. But now we're getting things like Watchmen, which admittedly was just a mini-series, but that was only, what, six, eight episodes. We're getting Game of Thrones, which was 10 to 12, 7, 6. You know, it varied. We're getting Jack Ryan, which was 10. We're getting The Boys, which was 10. And we're we're entering, we're not entering, we're already in this phase of like a little bit more long-form storytelling. But it is not, it's concise. It's concise, it's a singularly told story, and as you said and pointed out most accurately, it has reverberations throughout the greater MCU, throughout not only the Disney Plus shows that they're going to be doing, but the movies that they're doing. And I think the most genius thing about that is that is mimicking how comic books work. You know, comic books... For the, if you're not a comic book reader or not a comic book nerd, comic books would always have like the long standard titles. Captain America had his title. You know, Iron Man had his title. Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, the spectacular Spider-Man. There were all these different titles, but every once in a while, you would do these offshoots. And Wanda and, and uh, Vision, particularly, had several offshoots of themselves, of their own stories that are similar to what we're seeing in WandaVision, where they would go off into domestic bliss and encounter crazy bullshit. And those were only like 11 issues. They were limited. They were limited runs. And that's kind of what Kevin Feige is replicating. Well, and I think the other thing that you have to think about is, is to your point, a shift in the strategy here. Because if we take the example that you used of The Wire... right. The Wire was a show that cost roughly $1.5 million per episode. Sure. 
So you stretch that over 18 to 20 episodes. Quick math on that. If it's 20 episodes times so what is that, $30 you're talking about $30 million total spent. Yeah. The cost of Mandalorian was $15 million per episode. Per episode. Now, granted, if we did... Um, and per season, it was about 12 episodes of The Wire, actually, because there's 60 okay, total my episodes. My bad on The Wire. Five seasons. But they were an hour long, too. That's um, true. But if you, if you think about that, even if you add in inflation, you're still probably not getting anywhere near what an eight-episode season of The Mandalorian costs, which is roughly $120 million for season two. That's roughly what it costs to put on The Mandalorian, that's a movie budget. Yeah. So when we talk about right. these miniseries, these movies being, in essence, long-form movies, mm -hmm. it's because budget-wise it reflects that. Story-wise it reflects that. Mm -hmm. Like, If you think about what happened in season two of Mandalorian, right. you could imagine a world where that was compacted into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Sure. Like, Obviously, we would have cut a good amount of stuff yeah. and we would have lost some character development, but you could have told the start to finish of season two and season one in a two, two and a half hour movie. Sure. But and now we're getting so much more depth to it. We're right. getting to invest so much more in these characters. And obviously to our point that we said earlier, a lot of this is all surrounded by money. Yes. The creators love to be able to, go in depth, to go further, to tell stories they wouldn't normally be able to tell. Right. But let's be honest. This is all about getting more people to sign up for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so I mean, let's that's not, the goal. That's how you make the money. Let's not, let's not, you know, talk about it for something that it's not. Like, no. this isn't like, oh, this allows us to do so much more than, like, we right. would have been able to do. At the end of the day, decisions are still made from a dollars and cents standpoint. Sure. And if it made more sense to do Wanda and Vision as a movie, they would have done they it would as have a done movie. It. But they saw an opportunity that, okay, this is kind of a weird story. Right. It's pretty complex. We might need more than two, two and a half hours to get people walking away. Right. Really understanding what happened. And? And we got to get people signed up for Disney Plus. Too. And I'll add one more to you. Because Disney Plus is cheap. It's seven, it's what is it, $6.99, $7.99? And if we get enough people signed up for this, then when we release Black Widow, or when we show at the very end of WandaVision that it's tied into this movie, now we're gonna get to get more box office there as well. So it's just a money-making machine. There's no doubt about that. And so I, th I feel like that's a perfect opportunity to talk briefly about getting back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I don't want to talk a ton about this because our love of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is well documented and our love of these stories and and what they're able to do with these characters is well documented. But I think what's super interesting is just where we are approaching Marvel again, because you and I have talked about this all the time. You've I think I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but you have mentioned several times like. With Infinity War and Endgame, there is an end. It ended. Ah, we're done. And now they're like, got to get back up. Let's do it again. We got more to do, more stories to tell. And so you've been a little 
I don't want to say tepid, but you've been a little curious as to how they're going to build that momentum again, especially after an entire year where there has been no Marvel Cinematic Universe content, which I actually think might work in their favor. I think it might actually spread out that impact of what happened and give people that opportunity to decompress and process everything that happened. But the Infinity Saga is done. That is phase one, two, and three. That is the Infinity Saga. That set of films, it ended with Spider-Man Far From Home. That is the group, okay? Now, Kevin Feige announced back, way back in, I think, 19 in Comic-Con, that Phase 4 would include movies and Disney Plus shows. And originally, it was only like 10 movies. Like, they announced Blade, they announced WandaVision, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they announced all those types of things. And then a year later, at the investor's call for Disney Plus, he rolled out even more. So like 25 different shows and movies that are being worked on. Talked about things like the new... Uh, Hawkeye show talked about She-Hulk and Moon Knight and making a Fantastic Four movie. So we have no idea if all of that is fitting into phase four, if it's the end of phase four or whatever. But what's super interesting about us getting WandaVision when we're getting it is that this wasn't the original rollout plan. And I'll be interested to see how it actually works out. Originally, our first venture back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe was supposed to be Black Widow, and then that got delayed a ton, and then it was supposed to be The Eternals, and then it was supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. All were des designed and scheduled to come out before WandaVision, and then all of that changed because COVID delayed release dates, COVID delayed filming, COVID delayed post-production. So now instead of one, two, three, four different properties before WandaVision, we're now going straight into WandaVision. And I just think that that's interesting. I think when we see the, the long game of how things play out, I'm not entirely sure it'll matter because, you know, Marvel was already starting to release um, – content that wasn't always chronological. You know, they released Captain Marvel, which was set in the 90s and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see if those things have any effect on, on what this is, if those things had post-credit sequences that maybe are changed up now. You know, maybe we can take the post-credit sequence that was on Eternals and we can throw it on a different movie or what have you. I have no clue. But I will be interested to see what happens. I will be interested to see how that plays out and, and how we get that Marvel content because originally what was supposed to happen is we were supposed to get uh, WandaVision mid-2021. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be Black Widow, yep. Falcon Winter Soldier, yep. Eternals, yep. Shang. Those were all supposed Shang to be... Chi those were all the 2020s. Yeah. Those, Those were all last year. <laughs> yeah. Then we were supposed to start out with Shang-Chi. Yep. Followed by WandaVision. Mm -hmm. Followed by Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And then followed by Loki. And then Loki. And then, then Spider-Man 3, if, I think. What oh, if, yeah. What if. Then Thor. Then Hawkeye. Like Spider-Man 3 was supposed to be after Hawkeye. After Hawkeye. And after Thor Love, Love and Thunder, too. Yeah. And all of the... like. Like, what I just listed off was supposed to be done by fall of 2021. Right. And Thor, Love, and Thunder just started shooting, like, yeah. two days ago. 
So clearly those are all shifting, you know, mm -hmm. and many have already shifted. Right now the eye is on Spider-Man and Spider-Man will shift. Right now they're holding strong, but well, who knows? Yeah, what we're supposed to get now is what? Black Widow, Shang-Chi, mm -hmm. Eternals, mm -hmm. maybe Spider-Man. And then as and far then as on the TV, shows go, we get WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And Loki. And Loki. And, tech, and, and again, What If and Miss Marvel are still showing up in Hawkeye, but... Are still showing up 2021. 20, yeah. But who but knows? Who knows? And it's funny that we're so obsessed with the plan because this is their own fault, right? Like Kevin Feige was the one who started with phase two and phase three and coming out and saying, these are, this is the timeline. You know, I remember when they announced Civil War and they did that in the El Capitan Theater in L.A., and they brought, they freaking brought out Robert Downey Jr. They brought out Chris Evans to square up. And then they brought out Chadwick Boseman and they're like, this is Black Panther. And it's like the marketing doesn't even start with a poster anymore. The marketing starts with a we're going to make a movie or we're going to yeah. make a project. And so they've kind of done this to themselves. But what do you well, do I think COVID? we also have the challenge of with phase one, phase two, phase three. It was pretty easy to see kind of the flow because you saw when Avengers movies were coming. Sure. And you knew like, those we were don't like have that in phase four. There's no announced straight up Avengers movie. Now that doesn't Because we knew those were like a culmination. Those were like an act break. Exactly. But we don't have that in this. Not right. that they can't do that in any of these. Not that these can't feel like an Avengers movie like I would argue Civil War is basically an Avengers movie. Yeah. But, I mean, on paper, it doesn't look like we're going to get that. We'll probably have some crossover, people that are in other mm -hmm. people's movies. Mm -hmm. But having, like, the entire band together probably isn't happening in Phase 4 by right. its appearance sake. At yeah. Least. We have, like, there could be other plans. There could be a new Avengers. There, We already know, it's already been reported, this is not a spoiler, we already know Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch, is going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's reasonable to assume that maybe Doctor Strange will show up here, but we're not going to get into that yet. Nope. We're not going to talk about that yet. Before we do... Let's talk without with as as little spoilers as possible. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to these things that are already out and are on a streaming service, there is a big part of me that doesn't want to give a damn about spoilers because you have the opportunity to pause this right now and watch it immediately. Like you don't have to buy a ticket, you don't have to go anywhere. You can watch the first 3 episodes of WandaVision right now. But because it's 9 episodes and because like it's 90 minutes of content, I thought that it would be nice to divide those up into essentially three episodes as we go through the season to talk about, you know, what's going on. And, and I, I mean, I don't even know where to start. This show's wild. This show's buck wild just by like the way that they are letting this story unfold and the way that they are mimicking uh, popular television shows from specific decades mm -hmm. is really and genuinely incredible, especially when you realize, especially the first two episodes when things are black and white and you still recognize like, oh, there were subtle differences between like 50s television and 60s television. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm into that like a thousand percent. I'm into the the theme songs being different. I'm into the aesthetic. The house changes everything. How are you liking that so far? I'm enjoying it. I think for me... 
We've talked many times about how you and I take different approaches. I read nothing on yes. Wanda and Vision, and so I had zero expectations coming in. Like I saw the trailer for it, okay. thought, okay, this is I'm not really sure what this <laughs> no, is going to be. This like is I don't, bananas. I really don't know what this is. And so when I turned it on the first episode, I hadn't even read like what Twitter was saying about it other than people were seemed overall pretty happy with it. And so for me, it's interesting because we go straight into what feels like, to your point, a 50s television show in the first episode. Right. But we're given zero context. We're given what you normally get to set up a TV show, which is the opening credits where mm-hmm. it usually tells a little bit of a story. Like we see them, that they got married and they're settling they're into moving, moving into a new town. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that. And obviously we have all the information that we know about Wanda and Vision or from the Avengers movies right. and the Avengers saga. And so we know, you know, they were together even when like Infinity War starts. We know they were in hiding together. Mm-hmm. But we don't even have context going into this where this fits in the timeline. Like to your point. Marvel, for the most part, has followed a singular timeline and hasn't hopped backwards sure. too often. It did in Captain Marvel and even with Captain America. And it will it with Black out, Widow. And it will with Black Widow. So it's not unprecedented, and especially going into a new phase. Right. Like, all bets are off from that standpoint. But from what we know, we could assume this is after Endgame, but obviously there's the fact that this is not a spoiler because I'm sorry if you don't know this. Vision goes bye bye in Endgame twice. Twice they mur- that he gets murdered. He gets Wanda has to take the stone out of his head and kill him, and then Thanos rewinds time and takes the stone out and kills him a second time. Yeah, and Wanda, who loves this synthesoid, yes, for I mean whatever, like cool, whatever, go do your thing. Um, is like doubly traumatized. By well, that. and even what we would assume is the only way to get Vision back with the Infinity Stone is out the window. It doesn't happen. From Endgame. Vision remained dead. Correct. And all the stones it wasn't went at back. Tony's funeral. Nope. Wanda was. So um, we also know that they're intrinsically tied together because Wanda's powers were from that stone. Yep. Uh, Hydra was messing with Loki's scepter and they broke apart Loki's scepter and Ultron put that stone in Vision's head. Yep. That's the mind stone, if I'm not mistaken, or the soul stone. I, I no, it's mind stone. Mind stone. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a there's a connection there as well. Yeah. And so technically it could be in that gap of where they're hiding, right? Between uh, Civil, Civil War, War and Infinity and War. Infinity War, could but be. There's not a ton of time. Those are pretty closely connected, right? As far as those two movies, there's not a lot of time. So you kind of doubt that there would be the spinoff series for that small window of time, right? So that gets into the, you know, for me, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, like. Are they going to explain how Vision is here? Right. And even like what time? Obviously, um, you know, we're starting to, it appears, get more and more answers as we go through the TV show. But Mm -hmm. for me, while I 
part of me wants all the answers and wants to know like yeah. what's going on. Sure. Like I'm also enjoying the idea that like for lack of a better term, I have all this baggage or all this knowledge about these characters and I don't know where or how this show fits into right. it yet. And so I'm enjoying seeing the as they give us little pieces more and more, uh -huh. little crumbs of information. I'm enjoying learning more and more as we go. Yeah, I am too. I mean, obviously, I've read up a lot. I've done a ton of research. And we're not going to get into speculation until after the break. And then that way we can just cut it right there. And if you don't want to hear about speculation, if you don't want to be spoiled by even just speculation, then we'll give you that opportunity to bow out. But I am super intrigued into what they're doing. I am super intrigued by the little pieces and glimpses into the idea that something is not right. You know, that, that this is not what it seems, whether that be a message from a radio, whether that be splashes of color here and there in a black and white world, a la Pleasantville, like I'm super into it. And I love the idea that they don't explicitly tell you this is what we're doing. This is when we're doing it. They're not explicitly telling you anything. And like, that's, I think is something that should be, you know, appreciated. And, and, recognized because this is big this is disney you know this is the biggest one of the biggest production companies on the planet and they can play it safe if they want you know and oftentimes they don't oftentimes they try and switch things up and and we see that when they hire like shane black to do iron man 3 or when they hire ryan coogler to do black panther or what have you, like they, or when they got Chloe Zhao doing Eternals and Chloe Zhao is like the front runner to win Best Director this year, like that's fascinating stuff. So to have this, this weird world and just to be thrust into this weirdness that is truly unlike anything that we have seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far is super interesting. Now, does that mean it will always stay that way? Because so far we've gotten... Uh, sitcoms from the 50s, 60s, 70s, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's reasonable to assume we have the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and then the 2010s, 2020s, if, I guess if we wanted to go that far. Mm -hmm. But it's reasonable to assume that this format might not hold for all nine episodes and that we might just get some, a little bit more Marvel-esque stuff at the end. Mm -hmm. It's reasonable to assume. Yeah. Um, but I love it. And I love the performances too. Even though like, I don't think this is intended to get genuine laughs, you know? I don't think, like, some of that old-fashioned humor is designed to get laugh genuine tracks. laughs. Like, yeah, they throw laugh tracks on there. I do think they should be... I do think that they're intended to be amusing, um, but I am really impressed with the way that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany do such a good job at p playing into those old sitcom tropes, you know? I, I think that that really... A lot of people don't realize it, but that is just genuinely like a stretching of their acting muscles uh, to be able to do the stuff that they're doing, to do be able to do this very, very broad comedy and this very, very broad facial, you know, expressions and these very broad physical comedy, like in the second episode, which has a wonderful bit of, of physical comedy um, in their magic show. You know, that kind of stuff is not easy to do. So I, I love what they're doing here, and I love that we're getting fleshed out characters, even though not everything as it seems. Um, what about you as far as performances go? I mean, it's... I think one of the strengths and one of the pillars of 
Marvel's success through all of this has been how well they've cast everything that they've done. Like, right. Try and think of what you would consider a casting mistake. Like, I can't really think of much. I think, obviously, Terrence you have Howard. <laughs> you you have the drama of like the Don Cheadle and uh, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, whatever. Like super early on, but that was literally the first movie. Edward like, Norton. You got Edward Norton. Real for early, sure. real early stuff. I Again, think Marvel, there was some really early stuff before Marvel we learned. before we were even in a quote unquote cinematic universe. Like. There was no cinematic universe in Iron Man and Thor. Right. Or in Incredible uh, Hulk. So right. um, I think what they've done a great job of is obviously they were already locked into Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany yep. f- for a long time now. But even like the casting of Catherine Hahn, who obviously I'm, I'm a huge fan of Catherine Hahn. I think she's hilarious. Yeah. But I think she's also someone who is. I don't want to say she's super hot right now as far as like movies, but like she's definitely got some momentum. Sure. You know, whether it be things like Bad Moms, but she's been around for a long time too. And she's almost always regarded as like the best part she's of She's a the really sp- good character actor. Yeah. And people, I can't think of a lot of people being like, oh, Catherine Hahn was bad in that movie no. type of thing. And so I think it was a strong choice, especially for the type of character that she's playing. Right. And and so I think that's just an example. And, and most of the other characters we've had thus far are more minor characters. And so it's hard to really judge them and yeah, how they're going to be involved moving forward. Because even some of the neighbors from episode to episode mm-hmm. have been different. Right. You know, we got introduced to we got multiple new neighbors in episode three that we didn't have in episode one and two. Uh-huh. So how that continues to translate, what that even means. I don't know who we're going to have long-term in this. We did see some additional characters, though, in the trailers that we, did. we recognized from before. Yep. We saw uh, Kat Dennings is playing, coming back to play Darcy Lewis in some capacity. She was in the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. She was Natalie Portman's colleague. And then we have Randall Park, who played Jimmy Woo. In the, uh, he was an FBI agent who was basically on... Uh, on uh, Scott Lang's Paul Rudd's like tail the entire time, yep. and we see we see him involved in some way, shape, or form. And we got not the same actress, mm-hmm. but we got Rambo back from Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, so that's one of the other interesting things about it, which is that Teona Paris, who plays Geraldine in the first, I think, two episodes. I think mm-hmm. she shows up in episode two, and then what happens to her in episode three? But like, it's known that she is playing a grown version of Monica Rambeau, who was the child of Brie Larson's uh, best friend, helicopter pilot, mm-hmm. in uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. So there's there's all sorts of ties that we've yet to uncover, that we've yet to see, that with these next three episodes, episodes four, five, and six, you know, we're, we're going to get more and more of the story explained. But I I love what they're doing. I love the commercials. I love how they're tying in. You know, they tied in Stark Enterprises. They've referenced Hydra a couple of times in those commercials as well. They're referencing S.W.O.R.D., which is a, uh, a separate kind of offshoot agency of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division. And that's usually what uh, Vision is clarified as. In in the comic books, 
So again, like that leads to the question of like what is real, what is not. So we're going to speculate on some of these things. We're going to kind of just talk about what we think might happen and stuff like that. But you never know if there's going to be spoilers. Like speculation, I don't think counts as spoilers. So if you want to hear speculation, if you want to hear a little bit more about what we think is going to happen, stick around. But if not, you can cut out. And before we speculate, we're going to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. And we're back to speculate, David. So you actually did a little bit of additional research mm -hmm. in the in the last few days on just like how Wanda and Vision actually kind of the, the history and nature of their relationship in the comic books. Because in, in this MCU, obviously Wanda is introduced in Age of Ultron and Vision is born in Age of Ultron. And you, there's a moment in Age of Ultron when Vision grabs Wanda and flies off with her and everybody freaked out because everybody's like, oh my God, they're a couple in the comic books. Look at that reference. Mm -hmm. And then literally over the course of Civil War, over the course of Infinity War and, and, and those other movies, like that was established that these guys are in a meaningful relationship in some way, shape, or form. And so it ties a lot deeper into the comic book. So what what do you want to throw out there in terms of like what people what you think might uh inform the show? So there's so many different levels and it's super complicated. And it's the thing that I love about what Marvel and Kevin Feige have done thus far is that they've taken all this source material and all these stories and they've taken some major aspects of it but incorporated it in a way that I think is approachable for everyone sure and not done in a way that like you're going to alienate a lot of the general public because like a lot of these comic book storylines are super weird and <laughs> they really are they would require way more than 8 episodes to explain right and so I think and, there's and as we mentioned, dozens of outside characters that we don't that we know would know jack shit exactly, about. Exactly. Exactly. Like you would have to go back to the old school like twenty two episode yeah. season like, Here's to be this able guy. to do this. And yeah. even then you'd need more time than that. And so um I think what we've had come up thus far in the three episodes, obviously you know, now that we're into spoilers in the third episode, we have the birth of Tommy and Billy. Tommy and Billy, which um, was uh, started in the second episode. Like they had they, the beds joined together, yep. you know, which is a meta reference to how mm -hmm. 
television used to require married couples on television to sleep in separate beds, and yep. then eventually you could actually join the bed and all that yep. stuff. And literally the night after they join beds, Wanda becomes pregnant. And exactly. it's accelerated as hell. It's literally like a week. Yes. And so you have the twins born, and there's a lot of symmetry. Obviously, there are twins in the comics um, named Thomas and William in the comics. Right. And there is also, some tie-ins to what is said in the comics, which is they were only expecting one kid, right. and they get twins, which happens in it this happens as in well. The show. I want to interrupt for just one second because Billy and Tommy also become their own heroes in the comic books. They mm -hmm. become, I think their names are Speed and Wiccan. Mm -hmm. I think. I'm not even looking that up. I'm almost sure that's what happens. But, <laughs> but anyway, keep going. Sorry. But basically, in the comics... These kids are born, these twins are born out of Wanda's like insane desire to be a mother. And obviously she's married to a android in essence. Right. That Synthesoid, how dare synthesoid, you? <laughs> who obviously that's not possible. And she's, you know, still has that desire. And so she decides that I can accomplish this with magic. Right. And so she, in essence, uses magic or her abilities, whatever you want to call it. There's some more nerdier knowledge for it, her hex abilities, yeah. to make herself pregnant. Essentially, and yeah. There's a tie-in, and there's some different storylines if you want to look it up. There's like the House of M storylines. The you House of M is a big one. I want to talk about and that a little bit more. In essence, she uses those ability and draws and makes it happen. Um, but we find out that she actually has formulated and taken this subconsciously to make this happen from pieces of, um, and I'm trying to remember the villain. Mephisto? No, that's, that's who the guy makes. Bullshit it name. starts with a P and I'm blanking on it, but basically the guy got in a car accident, made a deal with the devil, AKA Mephisto, yeah. to be able to survive. And what happened is his limbs that were broken off were replaced by demons. And this is why this is not going to make comics, the TV show. The comics are wild. But what she, in essence, <laughs> made her twins out of were limbs that were taken off of this character. And the essence. So when that character returns, basically claims those limbs back and the twins go bye-bye. And there's also the, the factors that in the comics, like they have a babysitter who says the kids disappear. Right. And it's basically referenced that when Wanda isn't thinking about the boys, right. they don't exist. Right. And so it's this whole idea, do they really exist? Are they a figment? Mm -hmm. Obviously, that could also try into as an answer to our vision question of mm -hmm. the fact that last we checked, vision wasn't around anymore. It's true. So how is he in this show if this is after right. Endgame? Right. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. There's also like Catherine Hahn's character, uh, Agnes is also very close to a name from the comics, Agatha Harkness, yep. who is uh, a witch in like the a comics. Literal, like a literal Salem witch. And she's also like been like a mentor or friend slash frenemy to uh, Wanda mm -hmm. on her magic abilities. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of tie-ins to that. We also got in the trailer, it looks like there's a Halloween episode. Yep. And, and Halloween is Halloween in, in the very first 
uh, comic book of Wanda and Vision. Right. It they move into their house and it's Halloween and there's this whole Halloween storyline. And line. they get like attacked by like demon children and there's a lot of it's, demons involved. It's a lot of weirdness. So a lot of um, devil work happening. And even you have Doctor Strange, who in the comics is Wanda's doctor, who like literal like delivers the babies. Doctor. Yeah. Uh, when they have the twins, obviously that didn't happen in this. We had the town doctor and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a lot of tie-ins, and I think you know, I know you want to talk about the House of M storyline a little right. bit more, but like in general, it very much seems like at least in Wanda and Vision, we're very much leaning into potentially kind of the magic. Yes. Realm yes. of like the Marvel universe that we have it to date. Like I think we've gotten obviously the foundation of Marvel, which is like the Captain Americas, the right. Iron Man's, the technology, but and all kind of, of those. That. Were, you just said it. All of those were born out of technology. They were born out of science. Yep. Even Captain America serum. Even the Hulk. Uh, I mean, even Thor talks about you know mysticism is science that you don't yet understand. And then we grew into when we got guardians and we went to space and we got into the little bit more like weirder sci-fi, sci-fi alien type of things. We've ventured into that, but we haven't to date really like Dr. Strange is probably the closest we got. It is into like magic. Um, But that seems to be, even when you look at what's on the slate for phase four, it seems like that's kind of the direction that we're going to some degree. Exactly. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I do want to touch briefly on House of M and how I think it ties into this. So the House of M storyline is just this huge overarching storyline that I'm not going to get into. It involves the mutants and it involves 90% of mutants being depowered. It involves Magneto basically ruling over the world for a little bit. It involves all kinds of crazy stuff. But the real... I think gist of what I'm trying to get out of the House of M is the fact that Marvel has never directly adapted their comic book storylines one-to-one with their their movies. There have been versions. There have been close similarities. But there haven't been exact things. So case in point, uh, uh, Civil War. Right. Civil War had in the comics Captain America fighting Iron Man and their various teams, but they were fighting over slightly different reasons. So they were fighting over basically the ability to keep their identities a secret Um, and Crossbones killed Captain America in the comic books like it ends with Crossbones sniper shooting Captain America. And in the movie, Crossbones dies in the first 15 minutes, blows himself up. And nobody dies, nobody major. You know, Rhodey, I think, losing his legs is the largest casualty of all of it. And so they never fully, truly adapt from the comic books, but they pick and they choose. And what I think is happening here is a big part of the House of M is that when Wanda loses her two kids, she undergoes this gigantic mental schism. She, she suffers from this huge trauma of loss, and that causes her to essentially reshape reality. As it exists, that's why the the um, the mutants lose their powers, and eventually there are a couple of people. I think Wolverine is one of them who realize that the reality they're living is is not real. And I think that's what's happening here. I think that we're pulling a lot from House of M, and I think that if we look at the original release dates, David, I think your point about magic is even more astute. Because according to the original release dates, we were sp- in, in 2021, we were supposed to be getting WandaVision mid-2021. 
And then we were supposed to be getting Doctor Strange 2 in like May of 2021. And then Spider-Man 3 in winter of 2021. And the rumor is, is that all three of those properties, WandaVision, Doctor Strange in the, in the Multiverse of Madness, and the untitled Spider-Man 3, are all tying together this idea of not only magic, but also alternate universes and multiverses. It's literally in the title of Doctor Strange 2. And that's why we see that's why Scarlet Witch is going to cross over into Doctor Strange or even rumors that she's going to be the villain of Doctor Strange or the the maybe that's not accurate the uh the uh antagonist if you will of Doctor Strange. So I, I think if you look at that original release date maybe that will key into what's happening as well. And then obviously, you know, like we had the end of the last episode where she expelled uh What's her name? Uh, Geraldine, a.k.a. Monica Rambeau. She literally launched her out of the reality, which we saw is a real town. So theoretically, and again, this is where we get to talk about what, what we think is happening. Like theoretically, I think that Wanda suffered this huge trauma, losing vision, and that she went to this small town and basically took it over. Whether or not that it's subconsciously or not, um, but she's li- trying to live this idealistic American life with vision, something that she never got the opportunity to do because as somebody who is a little girl in Sokovia, like she would have watched old American television reruns, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we're tying into that. Now, that doesn't necessarily explain like why Agatha Harkness would be there and, and the fact that Agnes, a.k.a. allegedly, most likely Agatha Harkness, keeps referring to her husband, Ralph, who she always is like, oh, my husband, Ralph, I can barely stand him. Or, oh, my husband, Ralph, works better in the dark. There's a a standing theory that Ralph is actually Mephisto. So that could be interesting. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've done, I read up on the theories and stuff like that. So what do we think is happening? Like, is, like, is Wanda bad? Is Agatha bad? Um, we already talked about how I think this story is going to progress through the decades and we're going to get more clarity as the series ends. But what do you think is happening? Well, I think the most interesting part was when uh, Geraldine gets booted out of this bubble because mm-hmm. you see what appears to be almost like an FBI or a shield camp. Right. Or and in Just, this case everybody thinks it's sword. Sure. Cuz she's wearing some, a sword emblem. Some kind of you government. know organi- government organization camped outside. Right. So it's like it almost feels like a hostage negotiation to some gr- degree like sure. the way that it's positioned and the way that it looks. Like you could you could interpret it one way that it's like almost like a um Oh, what's the the Truman Show? Like mm-hmm. a Truman Show type of thing? Sure. Because obviously the ties in tie-ins to the what we're seeing. Yeah, I like that. But you know, with what we know from the comics, what we know about Wanda, and obviously with Vision, you know, what we believe no longer that he no longer exists, it seems more likely that maybe it's something along the lines that to your point, Wanda had some kind of break fled to this place Mm -hmm. and to your point has taken over it and because wanda is literally so powerful like 
That's the thing that I think is underestimated at times right. in the Avengers. We haven't even really explored So much it. of the focus is on Captain America, Iron Man, even Thor, Black Panther. Like, really, Wanda could have her way with any of them. Right. Like, and she does in Age of Ultron. Like, she pretty much tears that team apart yeah. with I her mean, abilities. She even, she even puts, the, she puts the hurt on Thanos in Endgame before he pulls a bitch move of calling of calling the raining fire down from the sky. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, this is... A lot of people don't realize that she might be the most powerful of the Avengers right. in a lot of ways. Right. And so, um, it could I could easily see it being something where she has this break and because she's so powerful, mm-hmm. like sword, shield, whoever this organization is... Whoever, even if some of the Avengers are involved in this, right? Like, do not want to just go in and try and stop her because they don't know what that's going to cause, and there are innocent lives in there. And so, in a lot of ways, it does feel almost like a hostage situation where it's like, yeah, we need to try and infiltrate and get her to snap out of this without endangering everybody's lives that are in here, type of thing. Especially, so, especially because like. You know, we get that Monica Rambeau or that Geraldine bit about how she doesn't have a home, mm-hmm. right? And how she's likely an outside person who tried to infiltrate it. Mm-hmm. Odds are that means that all those other people are the hostages that you're talking about. Yeah. So I, it's super interesting. And I genuinely think that it's going to, this is going to be a tragedy. Like, I genuinely think that as we get more to the end of this, like, we're going to see some really emotional stuff happening. And that's the, and that's the challenge, even as you, prognosticate or look at this where it could potentially go is to the point that we've said like marvel has stuck to overall themes right but to your point like in civil war like captain america dies like obviously that didn't happen so like they could easily decide to somehow bring back vision like there could be a situation where Vision is around and is alive right. post Endgame, unlikely given what we've seen. Mm-hmm. But like, they don't have to stick to the idea that Vision is dead. No, they can do um, anything they want. And you know, there's ways that they've explained things that aren't in line with the comics that make sense. That also manage to not piss off all the the comic <laughs> all book the devotees. People. Sure. And so that's where, like, I think. We can identify some trends from the comics, but Marvel has gone out of their way at times to almost have fun with all the comic book people and like lead you down a path to believe one thing only to flip it on you. Right. And be like, haha, like, right. You thought we were telling the House of M story and it's not the right. House of Espe- you know? Especially like, I mean, case in point with Crossbones. Like, yeah. they put Crossbones front and center in the Civil War trailer. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, they're setting it up. And then 15 minutes into the movie, Crossbones is blown up. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you thought you knew. Well, and they also have a history of like planting things in there that are more of Easter eggs. Like, so like Agnes and Catherine Hahn could totally just be a tribute to Agatha Harkness. And right. they could choose not to go to that level with like the weirdness of sure. her character and Mephisto and those things. Like all of the witchcraft. They could decide nonsense. to not chase down that route. Like I think they will to right. some degree, but 
you never know. I mean, it could just be tributes, little Easter eggs, things that are are meant to be a tribute to some of that stuff. And I think that's one of the most exciting things is we really don't know what to expect. Like, I know they say it in the trailer. Like, she even says it. Like, we just don't know what to expect. This is genuinely true. All of this prognosticating, all of these ideas, they could lead down so many different paths. It could lead to, as you said, Vision being actually still around. You know, if she, if, if she could create her children in the comic books out of thin air... And but they disappear when she's not thinking of them. Who's to say that she can't do the same thing with Vision in this case? Um, there's so many possibilities. There's just it's gonna it's really fun yeah. to be back like that. And it's really fun as much as I cry and whine about oh, I want to go to the movies and have the theatrical experience. Like these stories, which I'm gonna just start referring to them as stories. That's gonna be my thing now. I'm calling them stories. But these stories are just so well made. And so interesting as they unfold that you can't help but be enthralled by them, you know? And what's funny is that Marvel has always done that, but they've just done that on a cinematic scale, you know? People for the longest time complained that Iron Man 2 was, oh, it was too busy. It had all these things. It had S.H.I.E.L.D. It had all of this extra stuff. But in the grand scheme of things now, Iron Man 2 actually feels like it fits even better because we know Black Widow more because we know Natasha more because we know Nick Fury more and things like that. Like, I love I love that. I love that we don't know the full picture. So it'll be really exciting to see how WandaVision continues to unfold. Um, we'll we, we'll revisit it after another three episodes and we'll we'll take stock <laughs> of where we're at and and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, I'm just happy to get these to have the stories back. You know, for the longest time, the stuff that we were getting last year, like last year just took everybody by surprise. So everything stopped. And now we're starting to realize and, and studios are starting to realize that that's not the case. And we need to start rolling stuff out. And that's good for them because they get to make money. And it's good for us because not only do we have stuff to watch, but obviously we have stuff to talk about for the podcast, <laughs> which is really important. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Before we finish, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet sent to you just by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button. Take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, and share us with your other good movie buddies out there. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help an independent podcast out there trying to spread the good word of good movies, but it's going to get you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills, like our... Uh, Oscar primers. So check that out, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with another good movie, The Little. It's the little things, the little things, Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, Rami Malek, HBO Max. We're coming to you that on the next episode of The Popcorn Diet. Adios. <laughs>